Mums with Hustle podcast, episode 48. Welcome to the Mums with Hustle podcast, where you'll discover everyday mum entrepreneurs killing it in their industry. Learn the secrets you can replicate to create your own success with your host, Tracy Harris. So today's podcast is really with a very savvy, hustling mama. She has taken her financial and corporate background and experience and, you know, made her own biz out of it in the online space in a way that feels much more authentic to her and allows her to really hone in on the skills and the talents and the bits of her previous job that she really loved. And now she is niching down and, you know, catering to an audience of mums, which clearly I love. So it's with great pleasure that, you know, you're joining me here on this podcast. I think you're going to get a ton out of it, particularly if you are in the business of selling your expertise or your knowledge or your services. It's definitely a different way of getting your content out there. And I think it's just so exciting and, you know, the sky's the limit really with what we're about to talk about. So sit back, grab your cup of tea, get yourself a pen and paper handy, as I always recommend, because you're going to learn lots. Let's get into it. My guest today is on a mission to help as many mums as possible with all things related to managing their family's financial affairs. Yes, she serves an audience of busy mamas, just like I do here at Mums with Hustle. Because let's face it, when we think I mean, women, we really do think about money way differently compared to the men in our lives, right? So this biz mum is the creator of Secret Money Business for Mums, which is a live workshop series that teaches busy mums to manage their money. Now, I have had the pleasure of meeting this babe at one of our Mums with Hustle events face-to-face, and that was awesome. But what is more awesome now is that I get to hang out with her again here on the podcast and share her wisdom with you. So welcome, Rebecca Ma, aka the Fiscal Mum, (laughs) to the podcast. Thank you, Tracy, for that wonderful intro. <laughs> it's really cool to have you on. And it's always so exciting <laughs> when, you. you know, it's someone that I have actually had a chat with before. Um, because I just, I just love the concept of your business. And of course, the beautiful audience that you serve being mums. So yeah. Yeah. It's kind of natural. Absolutely. It's natural that no, I wanted to get you on here. Definitely a good fit. So yeah. I'm happy to be here and talk to all your Mums with Hustle tribe. Cool. All right. Well, let's just, you know, get into it, as I like to say. Um, I want to kick things off by throwing it over to you, Rebecca, to tell us a bit more about yourself, your family, and your biz at the Fiscal Mum. Sure, certainly. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm married and I have a little girl, Olivia, who's two and a half. And I'm currently pregnant with our second, who's due in February. <gasps> did yeah. I did I not know that? Bombshell. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, <gasps> my research yeah, no, has let me just, down. No, okay. <laughs> only, only just. No, I'm three months. Oh. So, um, yeah, one, um, you know, one with one on the way. Congratulations. Um, thank you. So, um, I'll be joining the um the Tusum tribe very soon. Mm-hmm. Um. Not as soon as you, though. <laughs> Ugh, too <laughs> um, soon. 
Yeah. And um, my professional background is in financial services. So I worked as a financial advisor and then later product management in life insurance. And um, I grew up surrounded by small business owners. So my mum had her own business um, for as long as I can remember. She was an immigration consultant and she had her own consulting firm. And my dad, he's had his own business for as long as I can remember as, as a kid growing up. He was in carpet wholesaling. And my grandparents and my uncle on my mother's side, um, basically all my relatives on my mother's side, um, were small business owners in property development and real estate. So I guess I kind of grew up in that small business lifestyle and I saw you know, the freedom and the opportunity that it created for, you know, having a family and family life. Um, and I kind of just always assumed that I would end up doing something like that because it was, you know, how I was raised and what I saw around me. Um, and then when I got a bit older, um, I spent time working in both my parents' businesses at different times. So in my last years of uni and, um, in my first two years, having graduated from uni, I worked in my mum's business, which was a service-based business, um, giving advice. And then when I went on maternity leave, I started working in my dad's business, um, carpet wholesaling, and I still do dabble in that from a financial perspective. I do his book work and um, that kind of thing, his bass. So... Um, yeah, I've just, I've, I guess I've had that exposure to both, um, a product and service businesses. And yeah, I just really wanted to sort of explore my own thing. So when I had Liv Olivia, um, I didn't want to return to full time work in the corporate world. It just, it just didn't gel with me at the time. And, um, it wasn't a necessity for me to race back. Um, so, I resigned after two years of mat leave, which was daunting, as any mum would know. Mm. Um, but I didn't want to close the door entirely on my financial services background, given that was my, you know, my passion, my interest, and where I'd spent most of my professional life working, really. Um, so I had to think about what I wanted to do, and I had really enjoyed working as a financial advisor um, because I wanted to help people with managing their money, you know, eliminating their stress and just generally helping them organise their financial affairs because a lot of families struggle with building up savings, accumulating wealth and just generally managing their finances when they're in that stage of their lives. But I didn't really want to go back to um, the traditional financial planning mould. I, I didn't really fit it and um, while there was never anything you know, untoward or that I disagreed with in, in, in that kind of approach, it just felt a little bit inauthentic to me, that sort of traditional um, salesy um, approach. So I, I felt there was an opportunity for women um, um, for me to take a different approach in, in the financial planning space, given there's such a large sort of void between, um, you know, the options that are out there, which is, you know, you having to search the in internet independently for all this kind of information on running a household or going and seeing a financial advisor just when it came to basic money, money management. Um, so I took it upon myself to create the Fiscal Mum, which is where I am now, and the subsequent course I've created, which is Secret Money Business for Mums.
Oh, and I, I really think that is just so cool because, you know, I mean, two things are cool. You realize that what you were doing in the traditional sense of financial planning just kind of didn't sit well with you authentically as a person. So I think it's amazing that you could identify that and then change it, like not feel trapped and stuck in that because one, you'd studied for so long and two, you know, you'd stuck it out in this career and really made something of yourself. Um, And sometimes that can can hold someone in in a position that they're not really loving. Um, But what I love about you, Rebecca, is you're like, I can still do this. I can just do it in a different way and I can do it in my way and I can niche down to serve an audience that I'm really passionate about. And so you did it. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Well, it makes it sound easy when I did <laughs> it didn't all happen at once. But like you say, I think there's a lot of mums that are probably in a position where they're not quite happy with their work or what they're doing um, at the moment and they might even feel a bit trapped in it yeah but they might also even though it's their passion or their interest um or as you say they've had a lot of experience and they've spent a lot of time studying in that area but sometimes it just takes a while if you feel inauthentic doing it or if it feels like it's not exactly what you want to do or it's not really hitting the nail on the head in terms of you know it fulfilling your passion um I think you know, it can take a little bit of time for a better way to do it to marinate with you, yes. which is what happened to me. I mean, I when I was working as a financial advisor, I, as I said, there were things I really loved about doing that kind of work, but there were things that didn't sit well with me at the same time. And I didn't really see myself doing exactly that long term, but I knew mm-hmm. I wanted to be in that space. And I just didn't at that time know how to do that. But Having gone on, you know, maternity leave as we do, we have these epiphanies and <laughs> we totally, um, and we start to, you know, look at other options for ourselves and other ways of doing things, and it kind of gives us a little bit of confidence that maybe we lacked before, um, a little bit of drive, and yeah, the idea finally just germinated and. Um, I sort of just went with it. Yeah, so, yeah, you did go with it, and thank goodness you did. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it just it just amazes me that there are so many women out there sitting on such incredible knowledge and experience that they may have yeah. from previous careers, but then because of the season of life that they're in, aka motherhood. Um, we sometimes yeah. feel like we have to just abandon that or, you know, you can't do that anymore because that workplace wasn't friendly for, you know, flexible work arrangements or maybe the travel was too far or it didn't make sense with childcare costs and or even just your mothering and parenting plan. Like it just doesn't gel well with that anymore. But at no yeah. means does it, do you have to just give up all that experience or give up all that knowledge. Um what I'm loving about your business is that you have used your your knowledge um, and I guess your academic background in this field and your experience to kind of create something that is going to serve so many women out there. So, you know, I, I just, I encourage people listening to this podcast, if you've got a corporate background or some other professional background, um, even a small business background, and then you've had to, you know, life has kind of thrown a spanner in the works. Maybe there is a business idea for you that you can kind of still use all that knowledge and that skills in in a content yeah. marketing kind of business because that's, you know, that's essentially what what you and I do. We're selling content and and our knowledge. So 
I want to talk to you now, Rebecca, about this idea of selling content and knowledge um, as opposed to selling a physical product because it's very, very, yeah, yeah it's very, very different. Um, can you talk to us a bit about your business model, essentially, you know, the platform that you've built your business on and how it is that you generate income? I think that's the stuff that people would like to know. Yeah, sure. No, definitely. It's the stuff we all want to know, isn't yes. it? Yes. <laughs> um, absolutely. Okay. So, um, first of all, as you said, selling content, very different to selling a product. And, um, that's something I've learned in as part of my journey as well. Um, and I think just to make a distinction about that first is that I think your unique selling proposition or your USP, as a lot of people refer to it, um, in the content world is, um, is really important because the reason being is that with a physical product, you can almost instantly distinguish between one product and another in terms of value and features. So, you know, just by looking at it, you can tell, you know, what the significant differences are and how it's going to serve you better based on what your need is, for example. Um, but with a service, I mean, two things can claim to be the same, but it's not until you've actually consumed the service and dealt with the person um, that you're truly able to see the difference sometimes, if that makes sense. Yes, no, totally. So, you know, I mean, you know, if you're looking at two pairs of thongs or, you know, two different handbags, I mean, you can sort of make that value judgment quite quickly. Um, of course, having said that, you know, you might use it a few times and then the quality is quite different down the track. But um, if you take a service, like let's take two financial advisors, for example, I mean, they're essentially telling you they can serve you, but ultimately you're going to get two different, quite two quite different outcomes by working with either of them based on, you know, their personality, their knowledge, what their offer is, you know, what they specialize in, that kind of thing. So I think that's really important, just, you know, distinguishing what's different about or unique about your what you're offering um, is really important when you're selling a service. Um, but yeah, back to my business model. Um, I mean, I use WordPress for my website. Um, and I run my course through, um, GoToWebinar, which is a, um, a webinar platform system that, um, is, you know, highly recommended and, and, and a lot of people who deal with webinars use. Um, and I use, um, an email service provider, I use ConvertKit for the delivery of all materials and communicating with um, the people that I work with in the course. Um, and I use it to send them basically all the materials. So I haven't gone down the path of creating a membership-based site yet for um, the, the course, which a lot of people jump straight to. But um, that's adding quite a complicated element to um, the operating system, if you like. And, um, because my course is live, there isn't really any need for hosted materials. So for me to, that is for me to put things up online for people to access at their own time, as mm -hmm. I would if it was a self-study yeah. program. Yeah. Um, but, but I do this intentionally because I, I believe at this point, there's a lot to be gained from interacting with, with me live when it comes to your finances. Um, you get that external motivation um, and you get instant feedback and there's an element of accountability, which I think are the biggest hurdles to getting your money ship shape, you know, yeah. actually doing it 
implementing it and having some accountability so that you get it organized and, um, you know, some feedback along the way. Cause I think, I think that's really important, um, when it comes to finances. I mean, self-study when it comes to, um, your financial affairs, unless you're studying to be a financial advisor, it's not really something people It can people fall to the bottom of your to-do list. Even, yeah, if, exactly. even if you bought the course, like, I mean, that's I know right. serial course buyers out there and they just kind of sit oh, there yeah. and they never open it or they get partway through and then they just abandon it. But I hear what you're saying about the accountability. It it's is. like the teacher is in the room, people. She wants to know. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is. And it's because, you know, that, that serial course buying thing, I think we get sucked into that because it's the promise of mm. the result that we're buying, you know, and we think, right, it's, you know, I bought this course. That means, you know, if it's a course to earn an extra two grand a month or something online, you're like, great, I've bought it. Now yeah. I know the secret. I'll get to it eventually, but I've got two grand in the bag extra a month. <laughs> yeah. But if you don't um, do the work, it doesn't matter what course you've bought. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You've got to, you've got to be willing to put in the work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I love, okay. So yours is through live webinars and then of course you're using ConvertKit to kind of communicate with those students who have enrolled and to deliver them their course materials because they're not just hosted there on a place for people to go and just get on their own. That's right. Yeah. That's right. At this point it's sort of just me guiding them through this course over six weeks. So ah. it's very much, yeah, it's very much, I'm very involved in it at this point. Yeah. Well, I like that. That is my style completely. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for, you know, explaining that to us because yeah, as we said, selling content and your knowledge is way different to selling a product, but I think it's just as important because, you know, that that old saying, knowledge is power. Like I feel like obviously there's a natural teacher in you and so there's this responsibility for you to kind of pass on what you need to to help the next woman out there. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's and a I- passion of yours and, of course, you've got to charge for your service and webinars are a really great teaching and sales platform. So I think it's very – it's cool. I love I love hearing about your business model. Thanks. And I think the other point I'd make with selling content, and you would know all about this as well, being a teacher and being in your business, um, is that with with the product, you don't have to think so much about how your product is um, consumed. I mean, you do to a certain degree in terms of what benefits and features you build into it and, and whatnot. But, you know, if you're designing a handbag, you know pretty much how it's going to be used. Um, but with a service, you really have to think about how your content's consumed, right? And how you design it in a way that caters for that. So who's your target market? You know, do they have the time to read this? When will they be reading it? You know, is the information they're after practical and digestible or is it, you know, designed to tell them everything or just enough or, you know, where is it designed to take them to? And, you know, there's a lot of thought that goes into um, the material and um, the information so that it's best presented for them um, to, to kind of educate them on what you're offering and what you can do for them, but also give them value at the yeah. same time. Yeah, 100%. I hear you there. And it's definitely <laughs> like a, well, in teaching, we call it black backward mapping or, you know, backward planning. Like, you know, the end goal of where you want your students to get to, and then you have to kind of plan backwards from there. And, you know, even 
the free content that we put out. It's taking people yeah. on a journey or it's giving them just enough or we try not to give them cognitive overload by giving too much, you know, and streamlining yeah. the content, you know, just into one specific laser topic so that they can just yeah. kind of, you know, get it and nail it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you're, you've said something really important there with the content. It's like you're walking the path with the students and that's what. Yeah. And it, it takes a lot of work that, I mean, if you're not, yeah. <laughs> like I haven't come from a teaching background. I mean, I've got a lot of girlfriends who are teachers and, you know, they've sort of, I've sort of had conversations with them about that. I mean, because this has even um, come up in um, terms of the material that I offer throughout the course, you know, like it's educational. Um, and there's quite a process to it to make sure, you know, you're not just throwing information at people and hoping it teaches them what you want it to. There's actually a bit of a a science to it, as you say. Yeah. So, yeah. Very it's much. Good lesson to learn. Very much so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, Rebecca. Well, what are some of your main forms of marketing then for, you know, the fiscal mum? And how have you kind of decided upon these? Because let's face it, there's a million and one ways to market your business, but not everything always suits. And there are yeah, always, absolutely. especially social media, there's always new things popping up. And then you're kind of like, should I be on Snapchat? Mm. Should I be doing this? But you know, what are the main forms of marketing that you have identified as being important for your business? And what helped you decide upon those? Sure. Well, for me, Facebook is probably the main one. Um, both and that's through both paid and advertising um, in marketing my webinars, um, and then through my Facebook page, just in terms of you know posting and engagement and that kind of thing. Um, and the reason that I sort of chose or landed on Facebook as my primary form of marketing would be basically the demographic. You know, um, it's it's really in, easy to understand and use um, the insights that Facebook provides I find um, and you know I've clearly been able to see when my market's online you know what my age um, the, you know that my target market in terms of age bracket is um, and you know I can see the number the number of active users and basically just the direct correlation to my target market is kind of a no-brainer so um, it's where I've seen the most engagement on certain things and um, it's just a really um, terrific way of marketing to the people and the mums that I want to talk to. So basically that, that would be my primary. And then I guess as a secondary in terms of social media, Instagram would be my second. Um, you know, I'm growing a small following over there, but, but I do, you know, I, it's hard and it's taken me a while to arrive at sort of a strategy for using Instagram as a service-based business. And I think a lot of people a lot of mums probably struggle with that if they're in that in that industry, um, given it's such a visual um, platform. But um, yeah, I've 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 worked on that, and I've seemed to have um, found a number of ways to do that, which works for me, which is great. So those two are probably my main um, sources of marketing. But I also use my email list quite a lot, and you know I understand and. And have seen the power in an email list. So it's a focus of mine to really try and grow that as much as possible. I sort of consider it a business asset of yeah. mine. Um, <laughs> it converts so that, way more than social it media. Does. Yep. It does. Um, and you know, um, for, you know, when you, when you're going out to the market to find new cl 
clients or customers with paid advertising in, in Facebook or Instagram. I mean, that's there it is in itself. It's paid advertising every time, you know, whereas if you're growing a community with your email list, I mean, those are people that want to already hear about what your <laughs> product and service are. So on an ongoing basis if they stay on your list. So, um, yeah, it really is um, sort of something that I try to focus on but it's a work in progress as with everything. Yes, <laughs> of course. And then the other, there is, and I mean, other than social media, I actively also try to reach out to other businesses and pages um, on Facebook or groups on Facebook um, to try and, um, you know, uh, spread the word about um, myself and my business and um, the course that I have created and am running. Um, so I do that maybe through, I've guest posted, um, you know, I've been on, you know, podcasting, for example, with, with you, um, cross promotion with other blogs and other businesses. So those kinds of, um, other, um, marketing avenues I've also found to be quite, um, quite successful, really, I guess you could say. And you can really measure the success of those as well quite easily. So yeah. I think that's something else to consider as well. Yeah, definitely. I, your last point there I think is so important. It can often, often be really scary for people as well, you know, to submit yeah. a guest blog piece or um, to try to pitch coming onto someone's podcast um, or to yeah. strike up a cross-promotion deal. But you can only live in your own bubble for so long and you kind of you do need to look at other ways to work with other people to kind of expand your reach Without yeah. always having to rely on the old Facebook ad, like, yeah. Yeah, and I think I think that fear of reaching out to people is natural. You know, it's like turning up to a party on your own, you know, you <laughs> have to talk to someone. <laughs> but I think um, I think really if people just think about it as they, um, um, you know, if, you're, if you approach it with people as though if you genuinely feel that there's um, an alignment with what you – with what you're both doing or with what you both offer and you've got similar target markets and you can, you know, articulate an advantage or a benefit for both of you, you know, working together, then really it's a no-brainer for the other person as well. Yes. Um, so long as it's not a one-sided, you know, um, proposal. But you know, I think if you think of it that way, then you take away that fear of it being you're asking someone for a favor and it's more about you introducing them to what you do yeah, and then seeing if you can work together. And I think that mindset kind of just changes the way that you feel about reaching out. Yes. Ah, oh, that's such a that's good That's what tip. I found. Yes, yes. No, yeah. when you take yourself out of it and you're kind of like, oh, well, I can actually help this person by doing this or yeah. it becomes less about me, me, me and more about helping the other. And as women. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, as women, I think that. I don't want to generalize, but like that's usually an emotional payoff for us is to know that we're helping. Yeah. So yeah. Absolutely. Really good tips there. Well, that kind of links into the next thing I was going to ask you, Rebecca, which is about, you know, how you've dealt with some of the fears along the way or some roadblocks that perhaps you've had to overcome in your startup business journey. And I know at the beginning you touched on, you know, the fact that you've come from such an entrepreneurial small business background in terms of your family, but that by mm. no means, you know, makes you be invincible from the whole self-doubt and fear thing. So, oh, um, no, no, it's such a natural <laughs> thing. Like, you know, Tony Robbins talks about how he gets nervous. Like, 
but you just I do know. it anyway. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. what have been some of your fears and roadblocks along the way? Well, a couple, I've got a couple. I mean, as you said, I do come from a background of small business owners and, and everyone sort of just seemed to be running a business around me my whole life. So, um, and that's what I naturally thought I would do. And, and, and I am doing it to some degree now as well. But I think I had, a, there's a realization that it's a lot harder than it looks. And I think when you come from an employed background and into, uh, you know, a self-employed background or, you know, as a business owner or, you know, consultant or whatever, um, you know, you kind of think, oh, self-employed people have got it made. You know, they've got their own hours, their own time and all of that and all of the advantages that come with that. But what people don't see is, is the, um, the struggles that come with building and running a business. Um, and the fact that there is no scheduled day or no time on, time off, um, kind of thing. And there's no one telling you what to do or where to go or what what your next move should be, everything, all of those things is, 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 comes back or comes down to you again. So it is a lot harder than it looks. Um, and, and I always just thought that I would start something and be where they were at with their businesses, that being my family, when I remember them growing up from day one. So I forget that where they were at with their businesses when I actually became aware of where they were at with their businesses was, you know, 10 years beyond when they started their businesses. So, um, you know, it does afford you those advantages, but there's, it takes time to get to that point. Um, and, and I think now if I, you know, in my own life experience, I liken it to having a baby. It's kind of like, you don't know what you're in for until you're in it, you know? (laughs) So it's, um, it's a lot like that really. Um, so I guess the other thing that I that I've sort of thought about through my you know startup journey is at times have I bitten off more than I can chew? You know I'm pretty sure everyone's probably felt like that at some point. Um, you know, especially just learning, um, feeling the overwhelm at times of learning the online world. Um, I think that's a big challenge. Um, in addition to everything else that's going on, you're trying to start a business, you're trying to learn about digital marketing and, and business online, and then you're also still trying to be a mum and a wife and, a you know, keep the household going. But I was um, I was in a Facebook group one day that I belonged to and this man, um, it's a marketing group, and this man um, was answering a question that someone had written and it was along the lines of, I feel so overwhelmed by everything that I'm learning. I don't know where to start. And he said, you don't go to the library and try to read all the books at once. <laughs> You're there to pick up what you want to read today because it's interesting and it's irrelevant to you now. And the same really goes for online marketing or anything really. Um, and that made a lot of sense to me. I was like, yeah, wow, that's really true. I mean, we don't go to the library and expect to read everything at once and feel bad about ourselves if we don't take it all on board all at the same time. Um, but we kind of have that expectation when we're starting a business or learning online marketing that, you know, we should know everything straight away and we should see the results overnight and it's just not like that. So once you kind of reframe that and and just focus on what's relevant and interesting to you now and where you're at with your business, then it starts to become a little bit easier to sort of navigate all that sort of stuff. Oh, yes. Good tip. Because I mean, who doesn't get caught up in the overwhelm from time to time? And yeah, I, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but Michael Hyatt is like someone I would just love to yes. meet one day. And damn, that guy is so wise. But he has a saying, you know, 
when you're overwhelmed, just do the next best thing, which is kind of yeah. like what that guy in your Facebook group was saying. Like it's just yeah. the thing that you need to know today to get you one step ahead. Like you don't need yeah. to be 50 steps ahead and you certainly don't need to read all the books in the library. You just do no. the next best thing. And in your gut and in, I don't know, you do know what the next thing is. If you need to start an email list, then that needs to go into your, you know, professional learning plan and that's the thing that you invest in potentially and that's what you do next yeah. and stuff the other things that are like, you know, everyone else is doing because it's just about what what you need right now. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's just trying to, it's hard to remember that when you're in the moment of overwhelm, but it's really important to try and maybe just write it down on a post-it note even. <laughs> just yes. look at it every time you're on the computer and feeling overwhelmed. You're like, what am I doing? Let's focus. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. All right, cool. So definitely, yeah, having a good mindset I can see has certainly helped you. But even what you said about observing your family's businesses from an age that you can remember doesn't necessarily mean that that was their starting point. They started 10 years before that. And that's that whole yeah. thing. Again, yeah. we all tend to compare our beginning with someone else's middle or end. And yeah. that's really not going to do anyone any favors. <laughs> no, like everyone has their first day somewhere doing something. Yeah. You know? And it's, it can sometimes even help to kind of imagine what that was like for the person that you're sort of looking at and imagining where you want you want to be them right now you think well that person had a first day and a first time at something somewhere yeah you know and they've they've made it through so you know you can too yes oh I love it I love how um yeah you're a very positive person so (laughs) thank you yeah because no this stuff is very very common for us as mumpreneurs and what we go through and try to shake off every single day but yeah get good tips there all right so I want to dive in and talk more about your webinars if you don't mind Mm -hmm. because I know this year that was something you know that was your first day um getting in there and and trying the whole webinar thing to to teach and make a difference um yeah so what has that whole process been like for you because I imagine there was a lot of learning there Yes, there was a lot of learning there. So, you know, um, again, it's harder than it looks, but everyone knows that now, I think. Um, you know, I just sort of thought I'll throw together a PowerPoint and I'll pop it up online and I'll run a webinar. And that's kind of what does happen, but there's a lot of work around that that actually has to be done oh, yeah. in, a sort of, <laughs> in a step-by-step phase yeah. um, to make it happen. And so there's essentially a lot of moving parts um, to a well-run webinar. Um, and I guess the easiest way to break it down is there's there's almost like webinar phases. So there's the pre-webinar phase, the live webinar phase, and then there's a post-webinar phase. Who knew, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, the presentation itself, I mean, there's a whole science behind that in, if, if people want to go down that road, you know, colours, fonts, layout where you put your images, heading styles, and it's all um, driven beh- around the idea of, you know, achieving the maximum engagement from people who attend the webinar or your audience because um, webinars um, or people on webinars are faced with a myriad of distractions um, being online and, you know, they've got their Facebook feed popping up, they're still checking the Instagram on their mobile they might be cooking dinner in the background or they've got maybe they've still got kids up or whatever it is. There's a lot of distractions you're competing with. So the presentation 
you know, itself, you know, is is best designed in a way to kind of help eliminate as much as you can or grab their attention along the whole way. So that's one thing, I guess, you know, in that live webinar phase. Um, But even in the pre-webinar phase, there was getting familiar with and building a strategy around designing Facebook ads um, and then running them and optimizing them, you know, to get people to come to the webinar or to, you know, to fill registrations. So that, that was, that's a sort of a stage, if you like, or part of the workload. Um, and then putting some systems in place to get the most number of registrants to show up to the, to the event live. So, you know, cause obviously you want people there live to hear what you have to say and to build that rapport with you and to meet you essentially so that they engage and, you know, ultimately, um, but, you know, might become a customer of yours. So getting people to, to come live, because a lot of people sign up li- um, for an event, but not many people statistically turn up live. So your, yeah. your objective is to try and get that number as high as possible. And there's a number of strategies around that too, with sort of um, email sequences to, to get them um, engaged in that before they even come to the webinar. Um, and then, there's the tech side, I guess, as well. So, you know, selecting a webinar p- platform sounds easy, but there's so many out there. So and they many. All have, <laughs> and, they, and they all have their own benefits. Um, and they're not features. cheap. Yeah, like you have they're to pay. they're not cheap. Yeah. Yeah, so some of them, you know, have an upfront fee, which can be a bit of a stumbling block for startups. Um, yeah. Um, but then you've got, you know, ongoing use of it, whereas others are on a monthly sort of plan which might be more flexible for people um but then you've also got to really work out what the web what the platform itself offers and if it's something that's going to work for you and whether you're comfortable with it and whatnot so um a little bit of research goes into that and then the tech side you know what mic do you use how do you record the webinar is it built in or do you need your own recording soft screen recording software mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's lots of different little elements to it um but um yeah it's it's not for the faint hearted but once you've gone through the process just like anything it does get easier and then once you've gone through that process of you know the pre the po- the live and the post phasings you you see the bigger picture and you understand the process and then it you know, the next few times it just becomes about, you know, it's just what you do kind of thing. You know, it's just the work that you do. It's not the learning part anymore. Yes. And, you know, you can, I guess, you don't have to have it perfect. I just hate that word to be able to do it the first time. Like oh, it's God, a, no. It's a work in <laughs> progress. Yeah. And every time it I'm is. sure, Rebecca, you just refine it a little bit more or you tweak something here or there or yeah, whether it's absolutely. something Look, it's in never- the marketing or something in the presentation itself that yeah. you change. Yeah. Or no. your delivery just becomes more succinct, I imagine. Yeah. Absolutely. All of those things. It's all trial and error, really. I mean, you can have, you know, obviously I would say, um, a well-researched first attempt is going to be is good for if no other reason than it gives you confidence in delivering it um, and it also um, helps you with that mindset element again you know in the sense that you feel like you've given it your best shot and then from there it's just improvement whereas there's probably more nerves and um, you know your a fear of under delivering if you if you're ill prepared um, yeah. so I guess from that from that sense it's you know a little bit of research and and preparing as much as you can and and getting all of those elements together would help you in those ways but 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're never going to get as many Facebook, at, um, you know, as many um, registrants as you think you are the first time or, you know, and then it might be disappointing how many people turn up live mm. and then it might be disappointing how many people actually convert from that. But it's just, it's just a matter of refining all of those elements along the way. And um, you will always, it's better to just get something up there and out there than to deliberate on it for a year and, you know, have missed out potentially on, you know, what could be something really great for you and your business. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, thank you for that honest behind-the-scenes look at webinars because <laughs> it is, you know, there's so many moving parts. It's like the podcast. Like it's not just getting on the mic and recording, you know. No, yeah. Recording our conversation. Like there's so many moving parts and it does cost. But if it's part of your business and it's a platform that you want to be on, then of course like it's it will be worth it to you in the end if it's something that you stick with. And, you know, different webinar packages allow you to take on a different amount of um registrants each time so there are some that are just you know you can have a max of 100 I know actually yeah, yeah when I did the webinar with business school for mums yeah. we could only take a hundred but because of the amazing mums with hustle action taking community that just love to learn and soak things yeah. up that went into like over 300 yeah so yeah those lovely ladies had to up their package yeah. Yeah. And um, so, to allow everyone to come on, which was amazing because it was great interaction during that webinar. But yeah, so yeah, and it, it's just I something think, you need to research, isn't it? Like how many people do you want to be on the webinar? And then you've got to know what the drop-off rate generally is of people turning yeah. up, not turning up. Yeah. And do you want to, you know, how do you want to do it? Will you be on webcam or will you, are you not on webcam? Um, You know, will you be running questions throughout? So do you need the ability or the feet, you know, for the platform to have a feature that allows, you know, chat interaction or, um, you know, handing out of materials or just lots of little things. And, um, you know, but again, all of that stuff doesn't also have to be, um, something that you deliver and offer as part of your first webinar. Like if those are things that you can work on, but, um, yeah, that obviously you, you don't want to purchase something and get stuck with something that it's not right for you. So a little mm. bit of research up front helps, yeah, I think. Totally, yeah. Do the research, people. But webinars, they're like anything. You can be a little bit scared of it because maybe you don't know enough about it. But once you know, you know, research a little bit, as you say, and then you'll be a lot more confident because they really, really are a great teaching and sales platform. So I hope, yeah. you know. And just practice. Like you can run practice webinars as well. So once you've got your platform and you've got your presentation and – um, you're sort of ready to go. Um, practice, do practice run throughs. You can record them and listen back to them. You can, um, get a feel for what it's like to talk and move your slides and, um, record at the same time because it sounds easy, but doing three things simultaneously while you're trying to make a point or, yeah. you know, trying to have a conversation with a group of people you don't know can be a bit, you know, overwhelming at once. So if you've done it a few times in practice, you sort of get your own little rhythm together and and, and work out a little approach. Totally. Because so. you'd never go and speak, like do a live speaking gig without running, you know, running through it. So yeah, same absolutely. kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, same, same thing, yeah. Same thing. All right. So, you know, how does your or how do your webinars fit within like your sales funnel? 
Yeah. Okay. Well, I utilize the webinar basically to engage with live, a live audience who don't know me. So, you know, I want to talk to mums, um, who don't know me. They may have read my blog. Um, they may have read a post I've done on another blog. They may have heard me talk like this with you or, or someone else. But, um, I use, I use the webinar basically to engage with them and so that I can introduce myself. And they can get a real sense of who I am by how I talk and my personality and my sense of humor. Um, and then they can, you know, they will then be able to or be in a position to decide if I'm someone they would like to work with or not on this kind of thing, you know, being their finances and talking about money because it's money is a personal thing and, um, you know, working with someone on a personal thing or a personal issue um, you want to know if you're going to click with a person, if you sort of have the same sorts of beliefs and, um, you know, values about money and the same sort of approach when it comes to managing money. So I think it's, I use it as a great opportunity to kind of show them a bit about who I am and what I believe when it comes to managing your finances, um, as well as, you know, give them some value and some tips that they can take away straight away, um, whether they decide to work with me or not. Um, and I like to use the sort of method that, you know, whether they buy or not, or whether they work with me or not, they, they're better for having attended, you know, they're yeah. going to walk away with something that's valuable to them or helpful, um, for a particular issue they're having right now. Yes. I love so, that. So you're yeah, giving so away it, some great quality information just to, you know, just to the people turning up because of I guess the stuff that you're sharing and then if they like it, it's like their opportunities to sample the goods as well because you made that point yeah. earlier that if it was a physical product, you can kind of just, you know, compare the two products. Yeah. But with a service, you kind of need to let people sample the goods, sample your delivery, see if they gel with you. Yeah. Yeah. If you really exactly. can meet their needs and then they make a decision if they want to buy or not. Yeah, because the Secret Money Business for Mums course, which I've created and that I deliver and work with on mums, is um, is basically just an extension of a webinar that I would do to kind of introduce it to them, if that makes sense. Yeah. So um, they immediately get a sense of, you know, what I'm like, what I'm about, what I can teach them, how I can help them um, in an extended version of this webinar if they want to be part of the course. So it's really like it's it's um as you say a taste and an introduction and and that kind of thing yeah okay cool well i was going to ask you rebecca cuz i know you've given us so much information so i'm going to just like poke you for a little bit more sure. um, <laughs> what are your top <laughs> tips for planning your webinar content so like you know in going into decide okay what am i actually going to give away and teach in this webinar like how do you yeah. come up with all of that Yes, that's hard because, um, well, it was hard for me initially as well. And it's hard for everyone, I think, um, from what I've discovered. But basically, you could, as we were saying before, this, this search for perfection, you could spend forever on something like this and never have it to the point that you're, you know, 100, 110% happy with it. So I always think that it's best viewed as a continual improvement project, full stop, when it comes to, um, your presentation. Um, and then in terms of planning the actual content, you do want it to be, um, something that's going to grab your audience's attention because essentially it's what, you know, it's what's going to 
get you the opportunity to talk to them. You know, if they're not interested in what you're wanting, going to present on, they're not going to come and you'll never get to meet them. <laughs> so, yeah. so, um, you do want it to be something that's, um, relevant and interesting and is going to solve sort of an immediate problem for your audience. Um, and then I would say you really need to map out what it is. Um, um, so what is in and what is out. So get really clear on the scope because if don't try and cover too much at once, otherwise it's overwhelming for the audience. Um, and I know myself, it's hard to sort of employ restraint when you're, when you're preparing content, but because naturally you want to show You want to share everything that you know. Yeah, you want to share everything that you know. <laughs> I get and it. You also, you also <laughs> want to use it as an opportunity to um, show them what you know and how you can help them. So it's sort of like a, um, a bit of a promotion about you and your knowledge and your expertise as well. So you want to help them. You want to tell them what you know. But it, I think it's really important to get clear on the scope. So I like to use um, when I'm doing this, I sort of think to myself, well, there's two aspects to um, delivering content. You sort of show the first is showing them what it takes to do what you're talking about. And then the next is exactly how to make it happen. And I, and I sort of use for um, my webinars, I sort of just focus on the first aspect of that. So basically just showing them what it takes and then what you deliver in your course or your, um, you know, your, as a, um, your paid material is sort of exactly how to make it happen. So, because you can't possibly cover all of that in one hour webinar anyway. Mm. Um, and, and you run the risk of overwhelming people, bamboozling them and, you know, sort of in one way doing them a disservice where you could actually have helped them if you're a little bit more restrained with your content. So, um, those are probably my biggest tips. And then I guess the last thing is make sure it flows really well. Because a webinar I have found or learned is a bit more like a story than a fact dump. Um, and I think when we, when I first started with webinars, I sort of thought, okay, a webinar is like a PowerPoint presentation, right? We used to do those at uni and, you know, this is how you do a uni presentation, but it's really nothing like that because <laughs> it's more, um, it's more of a story, like an educational kind of journey that you take them on and it's more interactive. So mm, it's a classroom. You know, it's a classroom. Yeah, yeah. You're sort of, you're, you're talking to people, not just about facts, but you're, you're sort of blending in stories and quotes and pictures and, um, you know, all of course relevant and, you know, useful, but it's just, um, more of a story than a, than a, um, you know, an instructional thing. Yeah. In, in my experience, because otherwise you r run the risk of, um, treading through death by PowerPoint yeah. territory. Kill me. Find. Kill me now. <laughs> We've all sat in those ones. Yeah, oh my gosh. Not, uh, it's, and again, that's the other thing. Cause you remember, you know, you are dealing with people who are sitting at home or, you know, at, they're at the kitchen bench and they've got spaghetti bolognese on the stove or, you know, they're just hanging out a load of washing at the same time with, you know, the bachelor or something on mute yeah. in the background. And you've just got to, you've got to. You're competing of, with all that. You've got to yeah, keep that attention. Yeah. That's right. So yeah, keeping it engaging, but informative is kind of the best way I would say. Yeah. Oh, very good. Okay. Well, you know, what, what have been your biggest learnings to date? Cause I know you've got, you know, more webinars coming up, which is something really cool. Um, 
Yeah, but, you know, you've been doing this for a little while now, so I imagine, you know, you said it's a work in progress. Like what Mm. have you learned from those initial webinars to how you're executing things now at The Fiscal Mum? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing is not to get hung up on unrealistic conversion rates. And when when we say that, we're talking about people that sorry, yeah, actually people, buy your product at the end. Yeah, so when you get people, you, you when you're running a webinar with the intention of having as many people sign up as possible, um, so that you can talk to as many people as you want, and then hopefully all of those people want to work with you. <laughs> that would be amazing um, because you've put so much time and effort into yeah, this content, right. yeah, That's and right. into the product itself. Absolutely. But the reality is that you'll never get 100%. Mm-hmm. So, and you'll never even get close to that. And that's just a brutal, brutal, honest truth and something that, um, you know, I kind of still um, dabble with. But I belong to a number of groups and, and, and whatnot on Facebook and online about, um, you know, building online businesses. And this always comes up. And the success rates or the conversion rates, as they call them, for things like this are in the single digits. So, you know, less than 5%, 1% to 2% like in, of people that turn up that will actually go on to work with you. Um, so, and, and, you know, that can be for a number of reasons. It might be something to do with your presentation, but a lot of the time the fact is that not everyone's ready to work with you or what you're offering right now when you're offering it, you know, but you're, but you're building a relationship with that person for their future needs or hopefully. Um, and you know, it's not, it's not everything is about what happens on the day. So not to get hung up on unrealistic, um, um, success rates, let's call them. Um, is, is a big one. And I think I actually read a post by, I don't know if you've heard of her, but Denise Duffield Thomas. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So she has a course, it's a money boot camp course, but she focuses like specifically on, um, money mindset for female entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, she wrote a post shortly after I initially launched and it was just so timely. Um, it was about her experience with creating her online course and the success, the initial success versus the, you know, eventual success. And I think she wrote in that post that she launched her course to a list, an email list of, a, you know, a couple of thousand people. And I think in her first course, she had four people. Yes. Um, and her best ever conversion rate on on her course, you know, even to date, or, or which was a couple of months ago recently when she wrote this post, was 2%. Um, so, you know, that just goes to show that, and, and her and course she's is very awesome. successful. Yeah, yeah <laughs> she's, she is. She's amazing. And yeah. her course is very successful. Um, but the reality is, is that it's just, it's just the medium that of online and um, of reaching people, um, in, in this way, that's just kind of what the norm is. Yeah. So I think that's a really, really important point because you can do it and you might get, you know, I think for my first ever webinar, I had 60 people register. Um, that's and I a thought, lot. I thought that was, I was like, wow, that's amazing. Yes. And um, I was hoping for a hundred and everyone, 
around me had said, oh, I think you'd be lucky if you get that. Yeah. (laughs) Reach for the stars, Rebecca. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And, you know, and then, and then it filters down from there really, Mm. but it's just a process. And, um, it's, it's really just about knowing what's realistic and what's not. So I think that helps. Very good tip because yeah, you can easily get disappointed if you've got these kind of pie in the sky, unrealistic expectations. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the, other, the only, the only other thing I would say is that, and that's not the only thing to be measured as well. So, you know, we all focus on sales, you know, everyone's focused on well, how much money did it return me? But I think, um, you know, we're running a business and sales is important, but you're also helping people. And mm-hmm. I think, um, there are other metrics that you should measure that sort of keep you on the right track. So things like how many registrants did you get each time or, you know, how many people clicked on your ad or how many people follow, um, opened your follow up emails and that kind of thing to sort of see like, if the engagement's there, but the purchases aren't, then it's not necessarily something to do with your content. It could just be the wrong timing for the people that you were talking to, you know? So that gives you a bit of perspective as well. Oh, I like that one because yes, your your email click rates may have been way higher than the last, you know, intake of students and yeah, yeah, all of that. Or your Facebook ads may have been more successful, so you're really nailing that. Yeah. Yeah. And in time it will all kind of marry up and you'll find your your formula. I know. But you've got to start happen. somewhere. Yeah, exactly. You've got to start somewhere and we all want it to happen overnight and it doesn't. But, mm-hmm. you know, as long as we're focusing on the things that we're doing and making sure that, you know, we're making little changes here and there that are moving us in the right direction. I think that's, you know, that's probably the best we can do. That's all we can really ask of ourselves. So yeah, very, very good advice. I particularly like what you said. Not everyone is always ready to hear the message that you're kind of sharing at the time, or they're not in the financial position to make the investment for what you're offering, even though it really could change their circumstance. But it's about, you know, building that relationship and they may come back around in the future or they may not. Um, but yeah, no, you can't expect to have that 100% success rate first time around and just like nail it every time. It's just, yeah. it's a bit unrealistic. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. All right. Well, you know, I'm going to wrap things up by asking you one more question, which is, you know, what is one piece of advice if you could take Biz Mum out for a coffee and you could give her one <laughs> bit of advice in relation to her growing her business online um, with content marketing business? Yeah, sure. Well, I'd probably ask her if she's got any advice for me as well. (laughs) She would. Everyone has has something important to offer, yeah. Exactly. So I'd be keen to hear what she has. But I'd also say, I guess, if we're talking about online content marketing, yeah. um, I think I would say that you need some sort of content strategy, um, which basically I mean by that just, you know, a plan about how it is you're marketing your content basically. So um, what I've learned is that there's so many ways to grow online, um, but you need to focus. You need a point of focus. Otherwise, it's really easy to get lost and demotivated because it's just a hard slog writing, putting it out there and just hoping that someone will read it or, you know, call you or, you know, come to you essentially. Um, and 
it's really easy to get distracted by the success other people are having with their strategies or medium um, of, you know, social, you know, some people are having heaps of success on Instagram. And so then you might jump leap to Instagram and try and build a following and, and, and sort of direct traffic back that way. Or, you know, some people might be having heaps of success with Snapchat or YouTube or whatever it is. And so you might start to think, well, maybe I should be doing that, but that I can find, I have found can easily become overwhelming. Yeah. Um, so I think, um, you just really need to focus on what it is or what your strategy is. So is it, are you focusing on email? Or are you focusing on Facebook ads or guest blogging or whatever it is? Um, have a strategy and stick to it and then monitor it for a while. And if it's not working, well, then maybe consider something else. But a bit of a haphazard approach can be a little bit demotivating because it takes a while to get some traction. Yeah. So know your focus is the message yeah. there and stick I to think that so. focus. Yeah. Yeah. And then move on to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Don't try it's either, to do it It's either all. going to work or it's either going to not work and then you'll know that you need to find something else that's going to be more beneficial for you. Yeah. Okay. Ah, well, thank you so much for, you know, talking us through your business model, you know, allowing us a backstage pass basically to what you do at the Fiscal Mom and telling us the glam and not really so glam bits about hosting a webinar. Um, (laughs) I I know you actually have one coming up, so I want to give you the opportunity to tell us, you know, what is coming up for you and where we can find you, Rebecca, because, I mean, yeah, you are a natural teacher and what you offer is I, I think I need to take the class. Um, so you please tell us about it. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, look, I'm on social media, so you can find me on Facebook. Um, I'm The Fiscal Mum, so www.facebook.com forward slash The Fiscal Mum. I'm on Instagram as well as The Fiscal Mum. Um and you can find me on the web, of course, at my site, www.thefiscalmum.com. And um, I um, I obviously have the course that I run, which is Secret Money Business for Mums. Okay. Which is – I can yeah, put a link up to that in the show notes. I think – yeah, put a link up to that. Yeah. Um, it's a live six-week webinar-based course specifically for mums covering the key aspects of household finances. So – money mindset as a as a mum and a female, budgeting and cash flow strategies, managing debt, looking at your life insurances and investing in super. We cover it all. Um, so um, the next course I have coming up is in September. Um, and yeah, I think Tracy, you're going to put a link up to um, for people who can register for that course and that intake. I will definitely do that. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. So I know um, I, when you were going through what that course covers, I was like, oh, yeah, I am all right at that. Oh, not so good at that. Oh, no, I haven't <laughs> got that going on at all. <laughs> so my mind is still running through your course content. Sorry, while you were talking there, I was like, oh, oh, damn, I really need to learn. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. the thing is, I mean, it's hard. Most people are good at some things and not yeah. at others. That's how it works out. And the, co- and the things that they are good at, it, um, what we talk about is usually just a reinforcement for them or they're, they're bound to pick up things that they 
a new way of looking at something or a new way of improving on what they already do. So, yeah, yeah it's, I mean, unless rarely is someone terrible at everything or excellent at everything, you know? <laughs> I know, but we like to be overachievers. Yeah. <laughs> I know we do, don't we? Yeah. So true. Uh, well, Rebecca, I know, you know, I mentioned before that you have been part of the Mums and Hustle tribe for quite a while. You've attended our luncheon event that we had back in June. I know you're also yep. active in our Facebook page. So, you know, it's, Kind of cool now that you're you you're actually going to offer something really special for other mums with hustle. Yes, yeah, definitely. tell us about that. I would love to offer the mums with hustle community and your tribe a twenty percent discount on the full course fee, which is um, it's a two hundred and ninety seven dollar course, which is the full price. So I'd like to offer a 20% discount on that price for anyone in the Mums with Hustle tribe to help them get their money and finances in order and give them some confidence with managing their money. Because, you know, as biz mums and as women, um, you know, we, we think about money differently and um, we want to feel like a partner in what we do um, with our finances. We want to feel educated and we want to work with someone who wants to you know, spend some time giving us a skill set to deal with it rather than just telling us what to do all the time. Yeah. And sometimes so, we can feel like the money controls us rather than, you know, the other way around. And it's just like, ugh. And then when yeah, you're trying to run right. a business, you feel like you're like robbing from your personal finances. and Exactly. And it's challenging. I mean, as women, we're time poor um, yeah. <laughs> and especially as, as business moms. And the reality is that when we're starting businesses, there is often a blurred line between personal and business finances. And so in any, you know, if anything, it's more important to kind of be on top of, you know, the right sort of money management strategies and whatnot to kind of ensure that you're taking care of your personal finances as well as your business finances, Mm. but in an, in an even sort of approach and make sure everything's catered for. Yes. And I'm glad you used that word confidence because, like, when you feel confident and informed about something, then you can make, like, really great decisions. Yeah, and financial confidence in life is gives you a lot of confidence because, you know, fears and worries about money are some of the biggest stresses in our lives. So um, having financial confidence and not only just about our situation now but in our ability to make the right financial decisions for ourselves as they come up yeah um gives us um you know a huge advantage in business as well yeah totally well i'm going to make sure that i put up all of those links in terms of you know where people can connect with you the facebook instagram your website but i'm also going to put that exact link up for people to register and attend your webinar rebecca um, we're going to talk about secret money business for mums. And then I will put there a really sneaky code for our Mums with Hustle tribe. Yes. Yeah, for that 20% <laughs> off. Um, 20% off, yeah. And that's only for the September intake. So that's make only sure. for the September intake, yeah. yes. All right. Well, people get on it because it's a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca, for coming on and chatting all things, you know, business and webinars and fiscalness with us. Uh, absolutely yeah and I look forward to catching up with you and I think I need to go register for your your webinar too yeah (laughs) (laughs) wonderful yes love to have you okay all right well I'll chat to you later have a great day okay you too Tracy bye
Thanks so much, Rebecca Ma from The Fiscal Mum for joining us on this fabulous episode of the Mums with Hustle podcast. So as Rebecca mentioned at the end there, she has got a webinar coming up tomorrow actually. So make sure you head over to the link that I'm about to pop up in the show notes and you can register via that link. And then of course, you get to take advantage of the bonus 20% off Rebecca's course um, just for being a Mums with Hustle podcast listener. So do make sure that you register and then you check out how you can take advantage of that super offer in the show notes. So I really hope that this podcast has helped to broaden your mind a little bit about the possibilities of working your biz in the online space. Basically, webinars, yeah, it sounds so simple now when you think about it, but webinars are like online seminars. So if content and knowledge and expertise is is the thing that you sell, if that is your product, you know, Maybe getting on board with webinars is something that you should be doing because really it allows you to cater to the masses and really scale your business. If all you do is stick to physical workshops and physical appearances or one-on-one coaching, you know, that is fantastic. But of course, webinars allow you to really amp it up and to serve a larger audience on a global scale even. So definitely, I encourage you to learn more about webinars if you are all about content and knowledge and expertise, because you certainly can't overlook this business model. I think it's awesome. So thank you once again for joining me on another episode of the Mums with Hustle podcast. If you loved this episode or if you've been a regular listener now for a little while and you haven't yet left us a review, I would love to hear your thoughts on your favorite episodes, on what you particularly love about our Mums with Hustle content, and also on what you'd like to see next. So make sure you head over to iTunes, leave us a review and a star rating, and that is going to help boost us in our ratings as well so that more lovely biz mums or aspiring biz mums can, you know, get on board and make the most of this content and this wicked community that we are. Thank you so much once again. I'm going to love you and leave you. I'm going to tell you to always be happy in your hustle and keep smashing those goals. Bye. 